0: Sunday. The Original People Network presents Behind the Box With Hamian Hamian And I'm
1: back up on my 100 Heyman.
2: They was asking if I'm about to go dumb again Heyman. I couldn't lie I Greetings world
3: dream, Welcome to Behind be the lie. Box A special limited edition series Hosted by the Original People Network And Hamian Official Located at the one and only Tin-Furl Pop-Up Park Let's go Thank you everybody for joining us today Many of you are probably wondering, what is this? What are we talking about? Why are we here? Well, if you didn't know, we have a box That's right, a 6 foot cube Literally, probably about 6.3 to be specific But a physical huge cube that we have set up here The Tin-Furl Pop-Up Park And we have big, big dreams and ambitions Of what it's going to look like in the future What's it going to look like? I don't know. But we have visions for it being as amazing as possible. So we want to take this time to have a series to talk about Hamian, talk about the box, talk about art, culture, and society in the Bahamas, and really begin putting out the ideas to help move the country as well as just the the spirit uh, of of the nation forward. Uh, And on this show, I'm going to be bringing on a couple of our guests today. We're going to be talking about the The lead-up process to get us here, a lot of people saw Hamian, they've seen the brand, they've seen the collabs and networks and connections that have made us what we are today. But we're going to take some time to roll back the clock and talk about how we got here in the first place, as well as give you all some insight on where we are going today. So, without any further ado, I'm going to introduce our first
0: guest that we have on, the one and only Brandon. Introduce yourself. Uh, So that's it. My name is Brandon Kemp. Um, I am 24 years old, an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to create platforms for economic and cultural development. That's my line. That's my line. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And I am both. I am a Christian artist and social architect, you know, I had to get my line, my wording together. Yeah, yeah, Because last time I didn't have, I didn't have everything together. Um, And obviously with us, we have the whole original People Network crew in the back. You know, they right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as we have some other Hamian members with us today. But, uh. We're going to get straight into it. So, Brandon, uh, we've known each other for a long time. Probably, mm. I mean, I don't even remember how we first met. We was, we were in the same high school together yeah. back in the
0: day. I think we real doing youth group, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We,
3: we went to the same youth group, Global Village youth group. Yeah, Shout basement. out to that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And I think that was probably the first time we got involved with just launching projects and doing stuff for fun, yeah. whether that was community. Uh, what was... What was uh, some of the first things you remember getting involved with? I remember you had... Um, you IOT. Had,
0: yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I think IOT definitely was my introduction to the world of, you know, just volunteer work, um, just helping out the community. So IOT, if you're familiar with Beijing Rogers, mm-hmm. she started that uh, back in 20... I can't even, 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, all it was was in... IOT, is, it's our turn. So mm-hmm. it was a movement of young people trying to improve the community. Mm-hmm. and that's that's where I really got full and ended up becoming the VP of that mm-hmm. and for a solid six to eight years mm-hmm. I was a part of that organization yeah
3: yeah and then I remember you left and went off to Logos yeah Hobo. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was that process like and what are some of the biggest things that you learned because I mean obviously a lot of people go off to school but you had the opportunity to travel the world really and get yeah. experience how, how how has that played a big role into some of the things that you're doing today
0: you know it's it's hard to um to wrap up four and a half years in one like in one conversation, but to give a bit of a background, the logo soap is is known as the world's largest floating book fair, but really it's a it's a missionary ship. Mm-hmm. so what they do is they it's about four hundred people from sixty five different countries with the mission of sharing knowledge, help, and hope. So knowledge through the educational library on board help through the like thirty to sixty people that travel on shore each day. To partner with local organizations, nonprofits, and then the hope, so everybody has the hope in christ, so that 's the drive that 's the fuel behind all that we were doing mm-hmm. so so when I graduated from high school, I was planned to go to university, mm-hmm. ended up on the ship instead, uh, supposed to be there for one year, which yeah. turned into four and a half years, oh, four years. so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell that that was it, it, it was a worth an amazing experience mm-hmm. so to give my my, 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 um, my lesson that I learned. I think the first thing was that the world isn't as big as we thought it was, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, during my time on board, I think I went to around 32 different countries Mm -hmm. and I found that every country we went to, the people were pretty much the same. You know, we had our own cultures, our own traditions, but at the core of who we all are, we all need a community to belong to, something to to seek towards or to drive towards. Mm -hmm. And... And I think it's all of us living together in that community with all those different cultures. they creating that meshing pot. Um, It worked. Like, just being able to interact with all these societies.
3: Mm -hmm. And how did uh, the Bahamas measure up culture-wise and identity-wise to some of the other places that you were able to visit? Mm,
0: Okay, so so Western culture has traveled far. You know, so we saw almost everywhere we went that there were aspects of Western culture. Um, To give a contrast... Myanmar, that's one of the countries we went to. And it had only opened up to the outside world like two, two years before we went there. Oh, yeah. So it was very, very untouched by Western civilization. And just seeing the way they dressed, their style of makeup, their music, it, all of it was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have exposure to, I think, American TV or all of this and that. So, um, so for example, like, their makeup, they took this paste from a tree, a white paste uh, from the bark. And they would rub it in circles on their faces. Mm. So people are walking around with these three big circles on their face as, really, that's as their beauty. That's, that's how they show off. Oh, look at look at my makeup, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think Bahamas compared to a country like that, we are, our culture is quite mixed. You know, we, we do have our Bahamian culture. But just living in the Bahamian society, you realize that we have a lot of outside influences in the way that we dress, the music we listen to, the way we interact. So so I think for such a small country as we are, living next to that, that hub of Western culture of the United States, mm-hmm. yet the fact that we still have our own music, we still have our own slang, I think that, that is a testament to how strong our culture is, despite the fact that we are become a lot of a melting pot.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because... We probably are one of the Caribbean countries that has the closest proximity to not only the U.S. but U.S. culture. We have tourists yeah. who are coming here on a regular basis. TV, news is all American. Yeah. But yet we still have uh, this uh, English vernacular that is so <laughs> defined and so concrete is mm. Bahamian. So I think that's definitely true. Um, we had talked in the past. You said that there were a lot of places that you would go to and visit. Uh, and you almost drew a lot of inspiration and ideas from those places. I know you talked about the market in Thailand or yeah. how, what things were being done in Mexico. Yeah. You came over here when you were done and I think brought a lot of those ideas and concepts and started to materialize them, whether that was the Nassau Night Market or the Pop-Up Park. oh, What was the trigger in your mind to really say, you know, I've been around the world, I've seen these things, but I, I see the gaps and I want to bring them here to the yeah. Bahamas?
0: <clears throat> Yeah, so, so a lot of the time that we spent, we spent in poorer countries. You know? so, and, and even not poorer countries, but the poorer areas in the countries. You know, just the nature of the work that we did, we went where the help was needed the most. We did the libraries, shoes, like, um, really just um, aid work. So, so I saw that what these countries were doing with the resources that were available to them, and it really blew me away because they saw how innovative they had to be. You know, for example, Taiwan, um, they, they saw earlier on that, you know, not everybody's going to have the money they need to open up their own storefront. So then they developed these night markets where people could just show up with their booth set up um, in a parking lot and pool the resources of everybody that was there to pull customers from all around the city. So so I saw over and over again all these countries that did not have much resources be innovative in the way they needed to solve their economic problems. So I came back to the Bahamas and I'm like, I'm seeing the power of our dollar, for example. Mm -hmm. So how in South Africa I was able to eat a rib dinner with a drink at a restaurant for $5. Mm -hmm. That's that's ridiculous. Ah. So we come back to the Bahamas and I see how strong our currency is, you know, being tied to the U.S. currency. How open our economy is, yet we weren't being as innovative and creative as those poor countries needed to be. So I think that we had gotten comfortable in that. So when it came back, and I kind of said, like, what, like, how are we not doing all these things? So, so I, I'd I'd kept a journal during my time abroad, a journal of different things that I'd saw seen along the way, and just I like kept, it, okay, I like that idea. Let me write that down. And when I came home, I just like opened up the book, and it was like, yo, all of these things we could whip out easily, could be done easily because we have the strong economy. Even though our population is small, we have millions of tourists coming every year. So the the opportunities really were like limitless as I saw it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's true.
3: I mean, you mentioned a lot of really big things. And I think right now in the world, there's this time where uh, minority cultures, as well as um, uh, the global South, third world countries Mm. have this big push to say, we want to work towards building our countries. We want to work towards having self-determination. And I think something that's so important is one, the innovation, but also this idea of like shared economics that mm. not everybody's going to have the capital upfront to have a storefront, but something like a night market, something like a pop-up space is something mm-hmm, where you mm-hmm. only need small amounts of overheads, but you can get a lot of things done and you benefit from everyone else's yeah. growth. And I, uh, I saw this video, I think last night, and they said, if you wanted to build the tallest building in a city, there's two ways you could go about doing it. One, you could either build the tallest building in the city, or you could build an average sized building and then tear down the other buildings mm. around there so that your building is in the tallest. And I think a big idea is, is moving to start and pivot towards ideas that are individual, are progressive in their own mind, are as good as individuals can make them, but are also considerate of everyone else and understanding that if everybody just tries to make their own tallest building, we can eventually have a city of skyscrapers by by that process. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because I've known you for a long time. I saw the Nassau night market develop, but we really started talking about ideas for collaboration in about August, September of last year. One of the biggest ideas uh, that I had that we both kind of come up with is this idea of, of a culture hub that, how great would it be if there's one spot where there could be the development of talent and entrepreneurial spirit in the Bahamas? There were opportunities for retail, there was opportunities for tourism, but it was all kind of in one location. It's crazy to see that we went from that conversation Mm. months ago, and the idea was like, okay, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, (laughs) completely separate, and we'll just trust that if we keep working in that same direction, there'll be more ideas for us and opportunities to come together. And now yeah. we're in a point in time where the Hamian box is in the pop-up park. Yeah. And there's a pop-up park just in general. Like, just in, in the fact that that exists, uh, I don't think it was in the
0: cards back in August. No, that's true. Honestly, like, even... If you didn't, like, really say it like that, I would have almost forgotten that we actually had exact these exact same conversations where we dreamed this and, and we aspired to it. I think, you know, the difference is, like, I think with our generation, I'm not to say the previous generations didn't do this, but I feel like we more than ever, very intentional about just supporting one another and and seeing what each other's passions are and supporting that, you know? So, for example, when you talked about the culture hub, um, you know, I also had Hello Culture, which is a a language learning business, and we're talking, our focus is more international cultures. Mm -hmm. So like the Latino, French, Mandarin culture. And then when you shared your idea about the, um, about Hamian and promoting Bahamian excellence, then you, you filled in that gap of adding the Bahamian culture aspect to it. And, and I just feel like when we, once we realize that all of us can be those pieces in a puzzle and we work together mm-hmm. rather than exactly trying to like tear down the skyscrapers, then that really that, that makes us powerful. It makes us like a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's facts because I tell people
3: all the time, even though, I mean, I enjoy the work that I'm doing, there's no way I could make a huge difference in the world just by myself. You need people. And yeah. it's important to have the self-awareness to kind of know what you're good at and what you're maybe not so good at because I know how to stay in my lane but support the people who are good at the things mm-hmm. that I'm not good at because in the future, their success can complement my success. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't speak other languages. I, I've, I took French for about 10 years and it's probably <laughs> the one subject that has held me back from getting finished with school. So yeah. there's no way I could complement and, and work on the aspect of connecting cultures in a way that Hello Culture does. Or, I mean, I don't think I could have set up something like Nassau Night Market. And even when it comes to Bahamian cultures, there, there's aspects of our culture that I am not extremely proficient on, mm-hmm. that I need those individuals who are like, yes, I know everything about Junkanoo. Yeah. Yes, I know everything about, about um, the emerging cultures, whether that's New Rap, New soca, whether that's the textile industry, all of these different sub-aspects of culture, there's no way I can know all of it yeah. and do all of it. And that's where I think we have a benefit of being a small country because if everybody just becomes very specialized in what they're doing, mm. you know, we have the population where everybody can do their own thing and you yeah. wouldn't even probably bump heads with too many people yeah. once you really just start working on what you want and then refining it as it goes. How have you seen... Uh, and but just quick to touch on
0: So you mentioned... Um, anyway, so you're saying like you know, we all have our own specialties. And I think for so long growing up, you were always taught that, you know, the island is so small, so you got to compete. You know, you could, you could only, you have to be the only one in order to be successful. But even like with Hamian from the beginning, you guys recognize yourself as an international company, a, a, an international brand. Something that would go beyond the Bahamian borders. And I think that like we, as the world is becoming more globalized, we as the Bahamas, we, we realize that our market is not just a Bahamian market. So for things like culture, things like entertainment, music, art, we don't need to try fight in the Bahamian economy because we have access to the whole global economy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like it's such a small country, we really need to be pushing each other, like supporting one another because we have a whole world to tap into.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it's crazy because even if you're a brand in the U.S., right? Like let's say fashion, for example. Yeah. Let's say you're like a... You know, you're building up a fashion company, you have a clothing line. Your goal is Paris, Paris Fashion Week or New York mm-hmm. Fashion Week or being able to break into international markets. And I think that's no different. When we were building out, I Amy, mean, it was very clear that we wanted to be internationally focused because if you're aiming for the rewards that are existing just in the Bahamas, yeah. it is limiting. And it is easy to compete because there's only so much to, to, to fight for yeah. but when you look at the whole globe you understand that you represent a very unique niche mm-hmm. that if you make very clear and if you compete in the same way that these Asian brands European brands US brands are working you can have a space you can have a clientele yeah. you can make a mark for yourself without even necessarily being based in the Bahamas but one of our biggest focuses we want it to be that international creative agency that stood for Bahamian excellence yeah. so Another thing where we see today with, um, with, with so much money that kind of gets taken out of black and minority economies and communities, we wanted to take this approach with saying part of our intrinsic value as a business is giving back. Mm. So, the, so the more we succeed, the more we do well, we are almost obligated to be reinvesting that into, say, Bahamian designers, yeah. Bahamian producers, or just... It, it, the Bahamian community because if we're keeping all profits in house and then going around the world it's easy for us to get lost in the globe and forget yeah. where we came from and I think that's why both of our work is important because even though it is globally minded it ultimately is providing opportunity for what locally exists
0: yeah 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 like honestly like I'm um, just to go back to the culture and music thing Jamaica is a perfect example of this you know Jamaica has Every the whole globe knows the culture of Jamaica, and and I feel like the Bahamas we we're known for the beaches for the hotels, but we're not known for our Bahamian culture. So like play, people like, I mean uh, groups like brands like Bahamian mm-hmm. are so essential in I think creating that space where Bahamian creatives can understand that hey we have a valuable product that can grow, and and what we're doing with furl as well like we're really just trying to show. Bahamian entrepreneurs that that collaboration is the way that we have to go if you want to mm-hmm. see uh, if you want to see our businesses get to where we want to be. So at <laughs> like the pop-up park we have I mean at the night market we would have up to 17 vendors a day mm-hmm. uh, down at the, at the night market and, and it worked. You know we're all in this jam-packed space but but the fact is that yeah Jesse said earlier we, we pull off of each other's resources of each other's customers mm-hmm. and we, op- we create a space where Somebody that only has the dream and maybe $100 worth of products, they can come out there and gain access to mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. clientele. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, their dreams are to start exporting. Mm-hmm. They really are. So, so when, when you have your dreams set and you're with other people that have those same dreams and same goals, then it just works. It, it works as we support each other and help each other grow. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that transcends, I think, across all industries, the creative industries, the economic food um really collaboration is the way to go. Mm-hmm.
3: I agree, I agree. And and to wrap it up, what are some of your dreams for this space? I mean, we just got set up with the box here this week, right? Yeah. I mean, and I didn't even I didn't even think we would end up here. When we had this box, my initial idea was to just drop it somewhere like put it Ross and Square and yeah. and know that it was probably gonna get taken by police or something after a while. But just make a stand. But pivoting and putting it here, I feel like is is a direction to create this space as a monumental space yeah, in, in, in yeah. for the island as well as the country. Mm. What do you think the the potential is for this specific location here at yeah. the Dundas?
0: I, I really feel like having a physical location on um, like the Dundas is is really our way to show the world that hey, this is. I think especially our generation, you find like a lot of the people that are out here are are younger people. Even though we do have a lot of vendors that are older. But I feel like this this property can be the representation of our generation saying, "Hey, look look at what we have to offer," mm-hmm. and and it starts to be recognized eventually as a place where people can go to see their dreams accomplished. Like if, say for example, we have Tinfro partnering with Hamian, and somebody's like, "Okay, I want I want to start my own business. I want to create a sushi." empire. Mm-hmm. I want them to immediately think of Tinferl and, and the Dundas property as a place where they can go to see that mm-hmm. dream realized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With you guys, with Hamian if somebody is, um, they're creative, they want to start their own record label. Mm-hmm. I want them to recognize this is a place that they can come to, to connect with other like-minded people, to to build that network and get access to that support group that they need to, to grow their empire to yeah, where they want it sure. to be. So I think that's, that really is the future of this whole place, is to just be When somebody thinks of, okay, where do we need to go to start my dreams? Mm -hmm. They think of here. They think of our collaboration. Mm -hmm. They think of the spirit that we represent down here.
3: Facts. And I remember you told me a lot about this space. And you're like, oh, yeah, you got to come out and see it. And I was like, yeah, I know I've been to the Dundas before. But it really wasn't until I was here physically that I saw the potential that it has. And at the end of the day, it just comes up to the vision and faith to be able to say, this is a historic place. How do we transform it and evolve it, you know? Paradise Island was Hog Island before it was mm. Paradise Island, you know? Before yeah. there was an Atlantis, it was just a piece of rock. So how can we look at the space, inject the right energy, the right people, the right vibe, and then just trust that over time and, and with the right type of management, it can be something that we once wanted to be. So that wraps up our, our first section. Thank you so much, Brandon, no, for coming you. on. Uh, for anyone who's interested, where can they find the Tenfro Papa Park?
0: Yeah, so we're at the Dundas on Mackie Street next to the Ryan Fruly Home opposite berth is go-go ribs but Tinferl if you look it up online you'll find us our website IG Facebook solid T-I-N-F-E-R-L Furl. huh <laughs>
3: the one place the only place to be I'm telling y'all this gonna be the place for the future thank you Brandon so awesome. much for coming on behind the box I appreciate it man thank you alright y'all we could be back soon <laughs>
1: Diamonds
3: on my neck, they call me renegade. Feel just like the
1: fucking prezzy in the motorcade. Y'all niggas smoking booze, I'm smoking lemonade. Gotta pray almost every day, gotta make sure I'm straight. Keep that calm on my ways, I got no time to waste. way. Had go, had go, welcome
3: back to Behind the Box. It's your host, Boat, and you watching Hey Me Official X, Original People Network exclusive limited edition series on the story behind the box. On this first signature series, we, we, we dig in back to talk about how we got to where we are today. And I blessed, overjoyed, to have with me one of my true brethren, Jay Ferg. Introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, man, you already know what it is. It's, uh, my name is Jared Ferguson. Go by Jay Ferg. Artist slash photographer slash videographer, you know. A little bit
3: of everything. So i know known Jared from, from time. Like, we've known each other since we was young. And we, I guess we really, really got the chance to get close because um, we went to university, the same university, Liberty University, Shouts out LU. Right, right, right. Yeah, controversial, but, you know, <laughs> we still got to pick up the, the school always. Um, uh, Jared, been my brethren for a long time, but I wanted to bring him on specifically because he's been one of the people to witness everything that's happened from Hamian. Like literally from the beginning, before there was an idea, before there was a name. Back when we really was
1: just booing and chilling. Yeah, for real. Like, I remember this boy come to me in the library. We were supposed to be doing homework, but, you know, sky locking. <laughs> uh, we, was, we was taking pictures, and I see him put an edit on it. and say, hey, me, you and know, I was trying to figure out what it was. I thought it's just like a preset. Yeah. But apparently it's, you know, something bigger. But And that was a crazy day, too, because
3: I remember that was the first day I had made the photo. And, okay, I had just come back from Abaco, and we was having the the relief event uh, yeah, yeah, and it was supposed to okay it was supposed to be november 11th and i thought it was november 7th right so i was dripped down like fresh i had you know, suit jacket on jeans you know, <laughs> clean right yeah, yeah, yeah. And i remember when i i got to go go on the bus i was like I drippy i was like babe, imagine if i had one photo of me walking onto the bus but i didn't i you know i was like who's gonna take the photo no one was on the bus so i gone to the drive i was like babe i should ask the driver and he just went jokey, but I'd always dap up So I go and I was like, but you only want to take one photo of me? So I was like, yeah, bae, so we go and take the photo
1: i surprised he take that, dude, I'm yeah, just yeah, babe. But like, it was one take
3: and it was solid So I edited it, put it together And when I got to school, I found out the event wasn't on like that day So I was, it was just like,
1: It was like a Tuesday Yeah, it was a, it was <laughs> a Tuesday The Y was until Friday <laughs> I showed up on a Tuesday and I was just
3: fresh. So I was like, by charge, you, you want to go take one? Someone photo shooting. <laughs> so yeah, we did go to the library and we was we was just taking photos from then. Mm-hmm. So that was crazy. But um, even from before then, like I remember back in my room, like I, I decorated the first wall. I had that dripped out. And I was like trying to make my room at school a spot where people could come, chill and pool without needing no TV, no electricity, but yeah. it would still be a spot. But, but it was like solid. Like we was... We would go out there, chill, you know?
1: Yeah, I remember we take a bunch of pictures the first time you finished that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was always about taking photos from back then. And, I mean, how I'm curious, like, what was your thought process when I first brought up the idea to seeing it where it is now? Like, uh, what is your perspective on it? Because I know a lot of people, when I bring up ideas to them, because I always bring <laughs> up ideas, they're like, yeah, 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 there's this another one. But this one of them things that actually, you know, got some traction. So I want to know what your opinion was on, on how we've... Going and got to where we are so far.
1: Well, honestly, i I thought you just was coming to me with a another random idea. I didn't think it was going anywhere. I just thought this was another side thing, just like CSA. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but to see how far you came with it and how how much you want to do with it for an actual career path, career starter, this is amazing.
3: Yeah, I remember like the first photos that we put on Hamian hey official because I made the, my first set. I think the first, I remember the first three sets of photos was Chewy, Peyton, and you. Mm. And I, it literally started, I was just hitting on people like, "Bye, send me, send me a photo of you right quick. Yeah, just like, I was having pictures. everybody send me photos of them just so I could slap one Hamian on that end. Yeah, for you. And put it out. But it's crazy that from then, like it started out as then, and then next semester,
1: we had the chance to do the first sample series shoot. Because oh, yeah, we made the shirts, fun. you know, you got the... That was a lot of fun. You know, I got the Hamian hey, drip. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Try yeah. not to wash it too much. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we made that, and I remember I was like, but I don't want to just make clothes. I want to make, like, a whole, like, experience yeah, out of yeah. it. So what was that like? Because you and I really had no experience with modeling before you came into yeah. that, but, I mean, it was still a vibe,
1: and it was a, a pretty solid time. What, what was that experience like? It was, it was really fun. Um, I always wanted to try modeling, but, like, I always the one behind the camera because I, I still love videography a lot. So um, just to get that experience to where we we are able to to do something that's, you know, it's just fun, solid, ain't nothing too serious. Um, And how we were able to not only get our friend group, but also a couple of people we Mm -hmm. weren't familiar with and still seeing everybody come together for such a, a, like, even though it started off as a random idea, something that eventually turns to be really solid. Yeah, because the people
3: we had on that shoot, I remember it was like you, Peyton, Raven, but then we and, and obviously and, and y'all. And not a
1: random by name, Gabe. I yeah, like, Gabe from, from Macedonia.
3: <laughs> Dan, Dan is from Nigeria. Becca was from Korea.
1: It was crazy. So
3: all y'all was from around the world, and then the photographers. I y'all, I didn't I have no know idea them.
1: who they was. But yeah,
3: I knew like there's one guy I know, and I did show her the shirts, and she was like, "Are you doing a shoot?" And I was like, "No." She was like, "I want to shoot the photos." I was like, "All right, say less." And one then we thing- got Micah.
1: Yeah, one thing I can say about them uh, Liberty students, they always anxious to do something. They always want to record or shoot something.
3: Yeah, Even if they ain't getting paid. Real, real because we had like five videographers there who was just taking photos just so they could like (laughs) put it on their highlight reel, get their Instagram popping. But that really
1: is what everybody was doing. Micah got restarted his whole IG after that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, But I remember he was, I mean, that's a whole other story with Micah. But I mean, that was a solid time because... Some of them photos I still post in now. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because it ain't just like one photographer you have photos from. You have like three different, four different yeah, yeah. types of uh, presets styles. I, I
1: actually just dropped a picture not too long ago from that Amian series. Hey, Instagram yes. is uh Jared X Austin, just in case you wonder. Yeah, Jared X Austin,
3: you know. And obviously he was a big rapper too, you know. Something like that. I do it for fun. Ah for fun. Yeah. It's a hobby. It's yeah, hobby. Yeah, so, yeah, on yeah. the side. Yeah, how of um how have you, I guess, seen your creative ambitions change uh, just from being influenced and connected to the the Hamian brand? Because, I mean, obviously, the more you talk to people about what you're doing, the more you get a little bit of publicity, a spotlight. It's a little bit of an encouragement to push you forward, to be like, ah, maybe I should try this a little more. How have you seen your motivation grow over time from from just being around the right type of energy?
1: Honestly, like, it's increased because I see all these young bohemians, young adults, young stars wanting to do something. And like how I, I just feel like not saying that like anyone is better, like communication and collaboration is key. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I feel like I could improve if I could be better. Even though I felt comfortable, whenever I started to feel a little uncomfortable, like I want to be the best. Like, mm-hmm. like my, I don't know if you watched the Michael Jordan talk, mm, how he yeah, yeah. like make up things in the to, to motivate himself. Yeah. I started doing that, but yeah. right? Like I can't I can't just uh, sit back and be comfortable. Yeah. yeah Someone yeah. could take my spot. For
3: sure, for sure. And I think I mean a lot of people say, Oh yeah, everybody's trying to be a photographer, everyone trying to be a videographer, everyone trying to rap. But I mean I think there's so much space for people to do that. And the mm-hmm. more people who are being creative, whether it's a hobby or whether it's professional, it raises the standard. Because someone's gonna rise to the top and be like, wow, you yeah, yeah. dropped a crazy album. Whoa, we shot a crazy music video. Yeah, for sure. And because everybody around there, they're like, oh, that might've been your boy. And you're like, okay, I wanna step up. Or maybe he's the person who's featuring on your tape, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you, you, with people like Sean, Kamal, like all these people who are able to work with you. And I guess that also gives some encouragement to be like, babe, you know, if we grow, all of us could kinda,
1: you know, feed yeah, off each sure. other's of energy, you know? you know? Yeah, we always say if one of us can make it, everybody can eat. So. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we always got respect for each other. Make sure everybody's straight. That's facts, facts. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Monday, because you
3: you vlogged the whole moving day for the box, <laughs> and that was a crazy, like... Wait, I mean, dog. I have my phone on me. My phone absolutely destroyed. Wait, dog. That was crazy. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> destroyed. Talk to me a little bit about, like,
1: the behind-the-scenes of some of the All things right, that cool. happened. So... Yeah. Uh, I think I was supposed to meet you for 12 at your house yeah. to see, like, just to get everything organized, right? And I just remember we was, like, we was pulling off and and uh, setback, number one, this boy say, hold on, I turned him back. Like, he stopped and he spin around. He was like, hold on, come back. I was like, what happened? He said, boy, I can't find my phone. He said, I think I'd leave it on the top of the hood. I say, how you going to leave your phone on the top of the hood? <laughs> but literally I remember in that moment, cause you'd have pull up and we had the handshake that
3: we used to do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I need both hands oh, clear yeah, for yeah, the yeah, yeah. for my handshake, cause we
1: got to come <laughs> <laughs> he's, gotta,
3: the, he's gotta start oh, with a Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> so I can't do that with one hand available. So I had to put my phone somewhere. So I rested on the hood. And it's crazy because in the vlog video you could see my phone on the hood. Yeah, yeah. And she was right there in the car, like, I think you put it on the hood. I was like, no, no, stop, stop. <laughs> I, I ain't happening. But yeah, so apparently they dropped and someone ran over it. But it
1: was, it, it's a good thing the person was nice enough to get it Yeah, the they bottom.
3: like, she, she called and uh, like found where I was, came, dropped <laughs> it back off. But yeah. that was a crazy day just in
1: general. And then we went downtown. I don't know what that area was, but like it was in a parking lot where the box was. And just trying to get that on was crazy because we had like, how much? It was like four like, or five of us. Yeah, like five niggas. Yeah, yeah we was just, all of us were struggling trying to get the box on yeah. his family, friend, truck. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that my, was your uncle, my,
3: like. no, that was my na- my neighbor's son. That's your neighbor's son? Yeah, well, my, my neighbor that boy, was old. like older. 70. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbor was old. True, true, true. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. So, but I mean, that was a crazy day. And now it was set up. Mm-hmm. And I think now the box can kind of become. I want it to be a lot of things, right? I want it to be a place where there's a lot of creative expression, you know, a lot of collaboration. But I also want it to be a place for community, you know? I want it so that at 5 o'clock, you know, we run in one happy hour and anyone can pull up, you know, bring whatever, just chill out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe eventually slam some dominoes and just have it be a spot because the niggas at work till 5, you want them... You know, they, they already ain't enjoying
1: work. Yeah, so if you me. know
3: after work. on his hey,
1: quarantine.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, you have one spot you could just pull up to. Even just drive through because it's right next to the box. Yeah. I think it's a, a really solid space for the future for people to just, one, meet people for one. But then also, you know, start moving and, and grooving because niggas don't have things like Light Vibes and all these other big mm-hmm. community events yet. So you got to start from the ground up. You yeah. Gotta start I think
1: one thing Bahamians need to learn how to do is collab. Because I feel like everybody, so like, prideful Mm -hmm. in a way, not not like everybody motivated, they determined, but no one really want collab as much, Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. feel like once we like come together, it'll be easier for us. I think so too because I mean anyone who's successful, especially
3: in entertainment, they always got a team with them. You know, if you are an artist, you probably have a, a a designer. Or someone who who a stylist, you know, who picks out your clothes. Right, right. You probably have a photographer, maybe two, three photographers. One by you just around you all the time vlogging. One by you shooting photo. Mm-hmm. One by you doing more of the serious shots. Mm-hmm. You know, you have people who doing business. Everybody pooling their talents and their skills to do something. And you are true. Like I, I, I think when you start putting money as the requisite to work together, you start preventing proper grassroots growth because the people who got the money. A lot times the people who are at the top are people who successful are successful or people who depend on the commercial aspect of it. Right. But for people from the ground up, like I remember when I was a kid, you know, it was easy to just collab with your boy because it's a sad day and you don't have nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. But now that you're kind of an adult and you <laughs> want to push it more serious, you still have to have that childlike, just like, mm-hmm. let's
1: do this for the love of it, you know? I just, I feel like a lot of people don't want to, like they can't stand the fact that someone making more money than them. mm. mm.
3: I mean, it's a tough... Like, what you're saying with Brandon, like, it's tough when you're competing for the same wins. That's why we are saying true, it's true. important to, like, shift to more global goals. you mm-hmm. got to aim to try and bring in international audience, international client. You really mm-hmm. have to, like I said, be Bahamian-focused, but but have aspirations much greater than that, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a quick question for you. Though. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure, so, sure, um, sure. I was just wondering, like, you know I have a lot of Bahamians, they go off to school and then... They don't really feel like coming back. Mm-hmm. What was your reason why you, I guess, not care, but, like, why are you so driven to stay home?
3: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. Like, I, I think anytime I talk to people now, and they're like, oh, you chose to stay home, they're, like, very shocked. You yeah. know, that's yeah. I had the opportunity to go in the U.S. I mean, obviously, i kind of smart because with COVID, I kind of came back at the perfect time because it's yeah. hard to get a job anyway, but... You know, I could have gone the route of going to the UK, the US, other places. But from my perspective, one, I just realized that no matter where you are in life, you can struggle. And I remember I was in Abaco and I was sitting outside trying to work on, on repairing this building in the hot sun. And I was like, "But anywhere I am in life, I can struggle. I might as well struggle in a place where I love, you know, I already have sense. my family here. I already have my people here. I already see the potential in the Bahamas. I don't want to go to the UK and help build up the UK. I don't want to go to the U.S. and build up the U.S. You know, I would rather be here and struggle but work towards building up the Bahamas. Because all these geniuses going to go work for Microsoft or McKinsey or Deloitte or these big companies around the world. And they just getting paid wages to pour back into the economy of that local place and using their talents to build up this big company that ain't helping the Bahamas at all. You know, yeah, so. that's true. I mean, I understand why people go off, and I got international experience while I was at school. I think you should get that. But I think when you make that decision of where do I want to build my career, where do I want to invest, where do I want to hone my craft, you have to be thinking about the future. And I think, too, babe, like, if, if you're in New York and you are like a decent artist, I see you're a good artist in New York. No one can know you, but if you're that same level of an artist in the Bahamas, you'll be one of the best, but... And gotcha. think of all the yeah, people yeah, you yeah. influence. Like you <laughs> could make such, such a, a, a greater impact nationally from being in the Bahamas. And like I, like I say, I understand why people just go other places, but I really respect the people who see the vision of what the Bahamas could be. Right. Yeah, so that, that's my answer.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. You have any other questions? Um, let me see. Why Hamian? Why Hamian as the name?
3: So that's actually a crazy story, too. Uh, so obviously, I, I I work with JP, you know, my brethren on the brand. Mm-hmm. And but before anything, we, would, we used to be sitting around and we was like, I don't f- pull it back. I remember it was June. What's see, like? July 10th. Close. 20, 2019. 2019. But I was in Rockefeller Park, New York. And we was walking around and we had just talked to one like random nigga who was pretending to be like a Buddhist monk, but he really wasn't. He was a scammer, but he was dressed up like that. <laughs> we just talked to him and we was walking around in Rockefeller and JP was like, wait, let's start a lifestyle brand. I was like, wait, what is a lifestyle brand? I have no idea what that means. And he was like, no, wait, let's start one. I was like, to this day, I still don't really know what it means. <laughs> but like I was in school and I remember this, I used to go to business school, you know, the new uh-huh. business school. I remember I go out and rent out one mini whiteboard and I was just sitting there, Writing out names, like trying to think of something. And the first name was Tings. And I was like, <laughs> I call it Tings. I, whatever this is, call it Tings. But I was like, this still don't sound right.
1: So you're just like, let me take the I, PA out of
3: Bahamian. Well, I talked to I talked to Johnny and I was like, I want to do something Bahamian send it. He say, Hamian. And he put it in lowercase. And I was like, that's the ugliest name I've ever seen in my life. Like it just don't sound right. It don't look good. But then I take a lot of inspiration from like the high art high brands like Chanel, Gucci. And I was looking at some of the photos and I was like, wait, I get accepted if we put it in all caps. And that's the only, my only rule. Wow. If it in all caps, I could do it. And it, I mean, it worked. If Amien was in lowercase, I think that's kinda I think that's pretty lame, but in all caps, it's fresh.
1: So I mean it
3: works. It, it works. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I mean, it really wasn't my idea. It was more so JP, but true, true. I put the little style on it to make it, mm-hmm. you know, really click. And obviously, we make the signature logo. You could see you wearing one of the signature shirts. We only have about 30 of these shirts made. Uh, this one specifically is a one of a one. I know if you want to show them the uh, back real yeah, yeah, yeah. Really
1: quick. the camera to see. We got that
3: that drip, you know. Specially made. And I mean, by even talking about this, you remember like we were sitting in the moss, and I came up and I, I, I just asked you like five
1: questions, right? Yeah. I, I don't remember the questions. I just know it's like, it was just like deep life questions.
3: Yeah. Like we like said, what yeah. I've been
1: through as a kid and things.
3: Yeah. I asked you like 10 serious questions about your life. Then I was like, all right, I can make a shirt based off this.
1: And it was crazy how you put like, how Kobe inspired me. Mm-hmm. And like literally a couple weeks afterwards... He died. Yeah. And that broke me, dog. Yeah. That that broke
3: me. And Kobe on the shirt, Kobe yeah, on yeah. the back of the shirt, dunking up in the corner. So it was crazy. But I mean, again, back then it was like, we were just testing. We was just seeing what we could do, what we could make. And mm-hmm. now going forward, like these shirts, I want to make more of them. I mean, I still got a lot to figure out, but I want to be able for people to have, not just a shirt, not just a brand that's a label, but an actual piece that represented them and, and, and is a home of what they do. And so, I want to close out with just in your idea where you see Hamian going in the future,
1: in your opinion. My opinion, I see us pretty, going pretty far. Um, next five ten years, probably having our own building downtown. Maybe I don't know That'd if you be, want to be downtown. I would love to. I mean, that sounds pretty solid to me. Yeah, but he's probably selling, selling uh shirts, uh just different apparel, maybe pants and hats by then. But hey, I would love to. get I mean, if we could do it out soon,
3: to be honest, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. try to. But we can see. But.
1: Yeah, and then just like a separate section for the Hamian records too.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That'd I, be yeah. solid
1: too. I just see everything coming together. All the small side projects that you have with the, mm-hmm. with with just the apparel, with the artists, with the mm-hmm. other people who do different stuff like mm-hmm. painting and thing like all that in one building.
3: But mm-hmm. I mean, just
1: revenue.
3: <laughs> Go on, son. Please, yes. Anyway, by Jay Ferg, I appreciate this. I appreciate your support for the past year almost, so yeah, just supporting me you. with everything I doing. But specifically, Hamian being out deaf every day, so you know for, we can be friend and center for the rest of this wave. So I know, yeah, by Elbow touch. Yeah, because <laughs> I was gonna die. I was gonna die out. But anyway, but y'all, uh, we about to take another intermission. Thank y'all, and thank you to Jay Ferg. Yes, sir. Behind the box.
1: trying to be free. I'm just trying to be free
2: I'm just trying to reach them high just don't throwing right From time, baby From time but that how much sound good, sorry You smell that from here Alright, <laughs> so we all know the drill
1: Hold on, let me get a quick test 1, 2, 3,
2: 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 1, 2, 3, 4, 5,
3: 6, 7, 8,
2: 9, 10 It's like the youth zone days Oh, no <laughs> Right. Wow. It's crazy about the Youth Zone. They used to bring, like, 17 people to the show just to shoot a 20-minute segment. Like, like they would shoot, like, an hour, cut it down to, like, five minutes, and that's what the whole cast was for in the first place. What the hell? I didn't even watch the Youth Zone, right? I was just on it. It was... Com- but th- we had some nice discussions. They used to cut it down to, like, let's see... Yeah. <laughs> he's like now we're going now we're going to youth zone weather you know who the hell
1: so going in three
4: two
3: one and we back to behind the box we are actually behind another box here at the dundas um, we are at the tin pop-up park if you want to come see Hamian come out to the tin pop-up park we have the box here I'd show you the box but I'd rather you come and see it because photos, videos, don't do the box justice. You ought to see the box in person. That's just how it is. Thank you for watching Behind the Box, this exclusive limited edition series with the Original People Network, where we dive into the ideas behind the box, not just the physical box, but the mental box. And to talk about such conceptual ideas, I have with me one of the few geniuses that I know,
2: the one and only Nikki. Introduce yourself. Hey. yeah. Good to see y'all. Um, this is not going to be in the video, so I'm straight. Uh, wait, is this live? Yeah, yeah, we live. This is live. This is crazy. Okay. Uh, my name is Nicholas Bauer. I'm Director of External Affairs for Hamian. Uh, I am a Haymian Live. Movie. <laughs> Haymian Live. Uh, live.
3: So, let's get straight into it. Um, I mean, I know you pretty much all my life. We was in high school together from the jump. Um, but... I'll never forget one day at the beginning of my senior year, I remember I was sitting outside on one balcony at school and everything just hit me. I was like, "Wait, cultural diplomacy is the key. And the first, I was like, who should I call? And I called you. Tell me about
2: that phone call that we had. What was going through your mind? I was honored, truly honored. But Benji hit me with a big idea that day and I was on a camping trip. I was in a camping trip in Maine up at school. I was leading this camping trip, actually. And then I just went MIA for like two hours. People were like, is Nicky dead? Is he lost? Um, but truly, I was, I guess I was lost in the sauce because what Benji, was, what Benji was saying was just, he was like, Nick, right? we about to run something big from the Bahamas. And at first, I'm a pretty skeptical person, right? So I, like, at first, I asked Benji some questions to see where he's going with it. Um, but then Benji starts breaking down this cultural diplomacy idea for me. And then question after question, he comes up with point after point of why the Bahamas is the perfect place to start this cultural diplomacy idea. Like he, it was like, I really thought about it. Like the Bahamas people, when I introduced myself, I, I lived in China for a while. Like and now I'm in the school in the States. When I say I'm from the Bahamas, people really just freak out. Like, wow, the Bahamas, you know, like. The image that has been created over the past 50 years to make this like the best, uh, the most successful tourism industry in the Caribbean is insane. And how we can't let that go dormant, you know, especially with the social media, with social media getting so big, like it really could be like a whole new wave. So he was saying how we could take this stuff, we could take the Bahamas global in a new way, not necessarily like the same old-fashioned hospitality way, but truly like representing Bahamian culture in a way that is like meaningful, immersive. And basically he was, Benji was like, there's New York, Milan, Mm -hmm. Shanghai. Mm -hmm. How come Nassau is not there?
3: Why is it not on the list? And to break down this cultural diplomacy idea, it's kind of like this, right? It's like you focus on what you're doing locally. You build that up. You get proficient at it. And then instead of just keeping it in one place, take it somewhere else. So like it's this idea that imagine if every country in the world had a culture hub, where in that hub they had uh, artists, musicians, designers. They had artisans. They had activists. And that culture hub did diplomacy trips kind of around the world to the different hubs for networking and connections. So if you're an artist, say you're a painter in the Bahamas, you could work on a project for a music video with a Swedish rapper and a videographer from Taiwan. Just if you have the networks to just facilitate that exchange. The reason I was like, the Bahamas is such a good country to start it off, is like, the Bahamas per capita is like the greatest country in the world. Like, we have the most Olympic gold medals per capita. We have the most everything, literally, per capita. So you could focus on just getting a couple of really successful people and exporting the culture around the world. Because we have the sun, the sand, the sea that make the Bahamas well known. You could go to any country in the world and say Bahamas, and they already have an idea. Probably they think about pigs too, because they <laughs> push those ads as well. Definitely. But like niggas know the Bahamas. So add in that extra bit of like, no, this is actually the culture attached. There's a lot of networking opportunities that you could then bring home. You know, if you are like Chaz, a climate change activist, and you know people who are in that field in Europe and in Africa don't be let's not go to New York for a conference let's go to Bahama or Atlantis or another space in the Bahamas and bring those people there because you benefiting from the uh the, the just natural environment I curious uh I mean obviously you studied a lot about history about worlds about the economy uh how, how important is it for us to diversify our economy and start looking at the orange entertainment economy as an opportunity to really push the country forward
2: I do think that's I do think that's the Bahamas' biggest challenge for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And we we really gotta think long term for this. Uh diversifying economy really doesn't happen overnight, but like I believe that there are certainly some huge opportunities to do it, especially because we're not bound to traditional media anymore. in the past it was like a big event happened and it was traditional media that basically took the reins on it and like told it however they wanted. I think social media, especially we see it with the Black Lives Matter movement right now, where in the past it was social media. I mean, you look at traditional media, right? And look how they're, how they're handling the Black Lives Matter situation. They, they're just focusing on looting. Uh, they're focusing on like, oh, they call it violent protests, right? Nobody's really getting hurt, but there's destruction of property. And they're saying like, they, they're, taking, they're taking the educational opportunity out of it completely, Just for the, they're trying to entertain, and I think that is very destructive, right? Social media is like really empowering new opportunities both for education and also like getting the right message out there, right? So if you are about the right message, it social media has now given you the opportunity to put it out there, Mm. Um, and I think that that'll play a huge role in diversifying the Bahamian economy, especially through the creative industries, and I think that like. we see from hurricane we see from hurricane dorian and from the covid-19 pandemic that we are stuck in this cycle of dependence on the united states economy i mean like 2008 financial crash that might affect that might have affected the the us really hard but it affected us five times as hard i mean we're talking we had we had after 2008 it was like we had nothing you know and with that kind of dependence where you're just like can't do anything about it i think like breaking that cycle of dependency that we've been stuck in for the past i don't know since the beginning of the beginning yeah, of t- tourism really real yeah, real yeah. like that is a huge that's a huge task mm-hmm. but like I believe that um getting t- you know taking talent taking Bahamian talent like what Hamian does mm-hmm. taking Bahamian talent and like giving them what they need giving them like the the business side of things giving them the promotional side of things because if you're an artist you can't do all that stuff yeah facts. you want to be able to focus on your own craft your own, yeah your own work you want to be able to like soak soak in reality and not have to worry about, oh, what am I gonna how what do I promote my how do I promote myself? Da da da, da, da. It's like a it's a huge amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um it's so business, like yeah. alleviating alleviating creatives of that side of it, which not everybody is good at. And I think like that's a that that's what heyman can play a huge role in like mm. Letting artists just do their thing, Mm -hmm. letting them do their thing and get big.
3: Yeah, you brought up a big point about media because I think traditional media is all about ultimately telling a story. And I don't really trust the story that big media is trying to push. A lot of it is keeping people fearful. It's about pulling people back to buying brands. It isn't necessarily fruitful and, and positive. The benefit of social media, it's a blessing and a curse, is that when you're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter... This echo chamber forms where you are only really seeing uh, about less than 1% of all of the content that's being put on the platform. Mm. Millions and billions of, of amounts of information is uploaded, but you only see a small, tailored segment. And you're seeing that on a regular basis. And the question is what are you consuming? What are the ideas around it? The benefit of, of what I saw from Black Lives Matter is, is they were able to use social media's opportunity to educate about historic oppression begin to show people the bigger narrative and bigger picture. But again, my question is, that's what I see, right? I don't know if everybody sees the same thing. Because those are people I follow. This is the type of content I engage with. Someone else, somewhere else in the world, could be consuming a completely different narrative and different story. But that's why I feel like it's important to use social media as a tool for good to begin to project into it these ideas of Bahamian excellence. Because no one on the side of the road is going to come to you and And really speak a lot of positivity on a consistent basis on what Bahamians can do and what they can be. But if you put that in in social media space, people see it. Maybe once. They probably question it the first time. Then they see it again. Then they see other people supporting it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say ultimately it's a mentality. Because that mentality shifts and it moves to people. And people pick it up and then spread it. And it just kind of matriculates and percolates all throughout the networks of of society. (laughs) I, I want to ask you this question because we talk about this a lot. You talk about uh, the dependence on the U.S., but there's also this big uh, issue of money being drained out of the country.
2: Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. T-
3: talk to me a little bit about that because you, recently you, you've you've always telling me
2: about this idea of how much money actually stays in the Bahamas. I think like um, when we're st- we're spending money at a bunch of a bunch of retail stores here. I think we're not really realizing where that money is going. And I do believe that like it really will take a, a shift in mentality. Like you say, sometimes it's just about the shift in mentality, which drives these very important decisions that will build up over time. So say I go to a, I go to a fast food chain in Nassau. Wendy's. I go to Wendy's in Specifically. Nassau. See, we, we are tinferl right now. Wendy's. The, the greatest architectural marvel in the past five years is in that Wendy's on Mackey Street. Yes. They got windows from <laughs> from the ground all the way up. That's like a huge building. I mean, Bahamar is very cool. But that, that Wendy's is taking me, it took. It really took. blew me away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sure. like, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, Wendy's is so successful here. And I'm thinking, but then I started thinking, okay, I, th- I could spend my money at Wendy's or I could spend my, spend my money at Tin Furl. I'm really wondering, where whose po- who's, who's pocket is that money going into? Mm-hmm. and. It's it goes very deep as well. Like where are you sourcing food from? So these turn these tin foil vendors, right? I mean, where are we getting our carrots from? Where are we getting our tomatoes from? Lettuce, chicken, and if it goes, it connect. It really sustainable development. Mm-hmm. It all just connects in the back. It's not so it's not so clear. But in terms of if we could create a somehow a metric, right, where you spend a dollar at a certain vendor, and you're able to know how much of that dollar actually stays in the Bahamas? How much of that, how much of that dollar stays in the pocket of a Bahamian? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be an ex- a very helpful way to figure out, okay, I'm spending my money in the right way that will help the, that will help the Bahamas. Because say this X, X figure, right? $500 million. spent mm-hmm. spending $500 million on food that we, that we import from the United States. If that $500 million was being spent instead... Uh, For Bahamian local producers, I mean, the impact over 10, 20 years, it's unfathomable Mm -hmm. how much uh, if that money was staying in the country, how much of impact it could have. Right. And it's it's a it's 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 it would come with uh, it would be it would come with higher prices at first. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you think about like uh, this is real neocolonialism. It's like the United States basically owns the World Trade Organization, Mm -hmm. owns the IMF. You know, these uh, these austerity measures that the you know, there's a bunch of news like maybe five years ago about imposing austerity measures to prevent the Bahamas from getting junk status. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all designed for these countries, these developed countries to just get the best of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with these corn, for example, corn subsidies. Right. And just produce subsidies in general, farm subsidies in the United States. I mean, how do we compete with that? you really can't compete with that short term. You need some long-term investment to be able to get like the economies of scale to really compete with those prices. But at the end of the day, even if you are spending 10% more on your produce, the impact that that has, if it's, if it's being spent in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. if it's being spent on the produce of local producers at a farmer's market. And these things these things are there, mm-hmm. but the thing is they can't really grow unless people shift their mindset to see how important that is. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's where education starts. That's mm-hmm. where, like, um, for example, thinking about the sustainable lifestyle, mm-hmm. thinking about the sustainable lifestyle, which connects so much with our national development, thinking about Sustain Your Belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- shout out to Chaz Garraway. Yes, Sustain Your te- Belly. And Melissa and Tiana at the team of Sustain Your Belly yeah. for really, like, pushing these ideas because they're extremely important for figuring out how do we change these habits to benefit ourselves because mm-hmm. we're being robbed and we don't even know it. And the crazy thing is you talk about uh,
3: this idea of having homegrown products. Entertainment is also a product, you know? How many Bahamians spend their time on YouTube watching American YouTubers or listen to American rappers or or Netflix documentaries that have been produced in the States? And nothing is wrong with that. But we really need to have a conscious effort in creating Bahamian-owned products and then having a support system to feed into that. And actually consume what is being put out there. Because there are Bahamian content creators. There are Bahamian artisans. There are Bahamian artists. But we need to have the culture to to really prioritize local. And yes, does it hurt in terms of cost at the beginning? Yeah, it does. But long term, you are just investing into your own people. And all this money that comes in with tourism, you allow for it to stay in the country. Imagine 3 million foreign people coming in to consume locally produced goods and services that are sourcing locally produced additional goods and services, it creates a, 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 a tremendous trickling economic effect. And something as simple as uh, you know, how we've looked at tourism, like for example, with a straw market, a lot of those goods are not even made by Bahamians. They're bought off at a lower price and then resold. I think we have to take the advantage of the Bahamas being this luxury destination totally. and say, if you are a painter, if you make bags, if you make products, raise your price. a premium on it but make it as good as possible and get it in the right spots so that tourists can see because tourists are willing to pay above average price for something if it is worth it and the same thing with with what we're doing with Hamian and shifting that mentality i think it's important that we have this this very i don't say nationalistic but just a, a respectful approach to the the people who are in the country doing good work because if i'm supporting you then my mentality is hey if i just supported him then maybe someone will support me, and that pushes you more and more to want to do things that are local. How? What do you think are some of the most important things that something like Hamian has to do going forward in order to make that economic shift, as well as the entire educational shift, and as well as how how important are other uh, sectors like the public, nonprofit, and private sector to making this happen?
2: I think I think definitely Hamian plays a role in empowering the youth. Like our our reach is mostly youth at this point, right? And mostly because youth are the people using social media and really engaging with um, the youth are the people that, that have hope. I think we are told a lot as Bahamians, this, is kind of, this echoes what Brandon says, we're told a lot as Bahamians that this is not the place for us. We got to leave, st- go to Canada, stay there, right? But I think shifting, shifting the mentality and saying if we can innovate, if we can come up with new ideas and not... Not get funneled into like the hospitality pipeline, which I do believe is very important, mm-hmm. um, but create other pipelines, create creative pipelines. Mm-hmm. I think Hamian plays a huge role in in basically like alleviating, alleviating what creatives will have to do, and also mm-hmm. giving them ideas to um, to enhance their craft and basically like make make hope a thing back mm-hmm. again. You know, because hope is a weapon. And I shouts I, out to. Angelica Wallace Fitfield, hope is a weapon. Most definitely. And you got to utilize it. And I think that um, when it comes to one of the most important things the Bahamas has to do is basically educate so that these pipelines can have the people with the resourcefulness and the innovation and, like, basically people who are uh, capable to take, take hold of these opportunities that will be coming out of, out of like, basically a revolution that is brought on by technology and social media and um really getting i think the get, getting Hamian into the policy arena mm-hmm. um with organizations like the organization for responsible governance yeah and working working with policymakers to basically implement strategies to allow for creative economy growth uh, and i think it really does often come down to the edu- to education i mean the fact that is really disheartening for the whole nation i mean when i see when i see the education report every year and i see the d minus average and i'm talking bjcs mm-hmm. getting a d minus on bjcs you know and you have like how much money is being spent per head at private schools versus how much money is being spent per head at public schools and you go to you think that like Oh, we need to increase we need to increase funding for those public schools because wealth is being accumulated in like a, in the many people are completely disenfranchised. Yeah, One because sure. they their mentality, like you look at the McKinsey study in education, mentality is the biggest determinant of educational success. Mm-hmm. And when you are told from the when you're told from the start that the highest you're gonna go is a uh, is a you work in atlantis driving. real talk real talk like base level like that's the biggest opportunity you can have if that is if that is the ceiling i mean what is the incentive what is the incentive to go forward right Mm -hmm. but then if we're able to change the
3: incentives 100
2: percent, change
3: the mentality change the education diversify the economy get more means of production then you get more money and then boom coronavirus you're
2: dead Black syndrome, <laughs> bomb. You're dead. Yeah. Thank I, you. I do believe that like building community, Hamian plays a role in like building community too. Um, building community and also mixing, like I do believe there's a, a great amount of class stratification in, in the Bahamas. Yeah. And if you mix a class stratification, I think that would play a much bigger role in in allowing for mentality, in the mentality to be changed. The mi- Sorry, the biggest determinant is mindset, not mentality, yeah. mindset. but having a positive mindset towards the future that you could that you could have hope. Like, hope is a weapon.
3: Yes, yes. Thank you, Nikki, for bringing that analysis and that information and that education and that mindset. This is Behind the Box. Thank
2: Thank you. Thank you, Benji. Thank you, Benji. (laughs) (laughs) on a level make the throne a modern masterpiece
3: modern boy has it never fumbled never missed a beat if i did it's all about perception it's a win to me i remember days when i was younger only
5: god i don't i just don't have anything to say you know like <laughs> i i do things i don't really know what to say about it like it happened no
1: right.
5: <laughs> one's on silent you I
3: I, and you want me... I can introduce you, though. Sure. So I'll be like... The intro i will be like, hi, hey, this behind the box, da-da-da-da-da. I'm here with... What you want me to call? How you want me to introduce you?
5: My name is Ariana. I hear okay. I'm here with Ari. Ari. Oh, no, it's... I'm here with Ari. It's revert? supposed to be casual. Yeah. That, I'm with Ari. We don't get more casual
3: All right. than Ari. Like. So, okay, we're we recording. And I can do a plug. We can use this as a plug, too. Okay, so that. Yeah, that's the sink. Yeah. Let me
5: get
3: a text. Mic test, one, two, three, four,
5: five. Hello. Say, talk again. Seven, Hello, talk seven, eight, the- nine, ten, eleven, yeah, twelve, really
1: you talk, got me. Talk, talk into, the
5: the into the mic. I got you. Perfect. Cinnamon buns. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: three, two, one.
3: Welcome. We back to Behind the Box, an exclusive series where we dive into the story, Behind the Box. You're going to get straight into it. I'm here, blessed to be here with the one and only Ari. Ari, introduce yourself to the people still. I'm Ari. Boom. <laughs> so we're going to just talk a little bit about uh, some of the work that we're we trying to push right now. For those of y'all who don't know, we officially have the box set up here at the Tin Furl Pop-Up Park for anyone. Anyone, if you're interested to drive by and come take a look at it. If you're interested in shooting a video there, hit us up. Pass by. If you want to take photos there, hit us up. Pass by. We literally want to create a new innovative space that can build culture and community. Um, so we just want to use this time. Ari was gonna ask me a couple more questions, interview me a little bit, and I, uh, you know, I said I would. So uh, let's get straight into it. What you want to ask me, Ari?
5: Okay. So Benji, tell us. Um, did y'all did y'all cover Hamian Official and how Hamian Official started?
3: Yeah, we went over like or brand origin. Yeah.
5: What about magazine?
3: Oh no, we ain't really. touched. So
5: let's talk about the origins of Hamian Magazine.
3: All right. Boom. All right. So. Hamian Magazine really first started uh, January 1st when we launched the brand. Um, we originally had Hamian official, uh, but it got taken down by Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, all the Facebook and all of them because, I don't know, many reasons. But that's all a long story. But we got the page deleted. And after that, we was like, what are we going to do? Because we built this page for the past two months and now it's not here anymore. So we kind of made the decision to pivot and make Hamian Magazine, which would be kind of a promotional platform for everything Hamian. And by that, I mean just Bahamian excellence. And I think the biggest thing that we did, even though we put out magazines on a daily basis, probably about like 60, 70 editions now, was during COVID when we started launching that talk show. And we was like, okay, people at home, they just sitting up by themselves. Let's give them something to consume. So we started, I mean, that was a big thing, starting to run the Hamian Magazine talk show. And we brought on like 150 guests in the span of two, three weeks. So I think that was probably the biggest accomplishment Hamian Magazine has done so far. And that just came from this idea of always wanting to break the box and innovate. So that's that's Hamian Magazine so far.
5: So how do you plan on using these connections that you made through these talk shows and through bigging up these artists? How do you plan on using that connection as leverage in the future?
3: Yeah, so... I mean, really, the start of those relationships was just about providing that opportunity to people, whether that was to have a conversation, make a photo for them, give a platform for them. Um, But ultimately, we want to use those relationships to work on more projects in the future. The more creatives I know um, means that there's more opportunities when I connect to business or any other opportunities to bring them on into the process. You know, I, I, I don't do everything, but... By allowing me to know people who do those different things, whether that's they're an activist, whether that's in media, whether that's in, in art, we want to take that relationship and then bring that together on a future project. So it may not be right away, but every person that we've met and that we've interacted with, we ultimately want to, to utilize for a future project in some way, shape or form.
5: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the box. How did that um, how did that transpire?
3: How, how we got the box in the first place. Um, that was a blessing. You know, we had, uh, some very, very generous individuals who were able to work and build the box, um, which was crazy because I mean, I, I didn't even think that we could have something like that. I had the idea for it, but we had a, we had some innovative people construct it. I won't say who built the box just cause I, I don't feel like, you know, they, I don't think they would want that press, but we had some people build the box, uh, and then we moved it here and we were talking about that with Jared a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you know who built it?
5: I build the box. Whoa!
3: Ari built <laughs> I the- build the box. With, with, with,
5: with my good friend who you can't see, he's offset, but um, wow. he's right there. We build the box together and oh, yes, um, yes, best yes. project of the year, hands down.
3: Solid, solid. I agree. I agree. Any other questions you have?
5: You got anything for me?
3: Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the Bahamas. What, what do you feel like is... We talked a little bit with Nikki about shifting the mindset. What do you feel like is necessary to begin pushing the Bahamian mindset in an in a area that is focused on national excellence, collaboration, and just being the best that we could be?
5: Well, I think it starts with educating people because um, in order to, to get any kind of mindset or change a mindset, we need to educate people on what the mindset is that we want to change it to, if that makes sense. So it's if we say, okay, we want people to start shifting toward this uh, mindset or mentality of Bahamian excellence well we need to be able to define Bahamian excellence what is Bahamian excellence how do we convey this to mm-hmm. the masses in order for them to start understanding and believing in Bahamian excellence
3: what is Bahamian excellence in your opinion you See, no, now listen
5: spot. now this is the spot because since Hamian started we've been trying to define what Bahamian excellence is and um I, if I have to put it in my own words, I would say that Bahamian excellence is an energy. It's something that you give off. It's not just something that, okay, yes, it could be art. It could be music. It could be um, your policy making or any plan that you have, the projects you work on. It can be anything. It could be a person. And it's literally just the energy that you give off. That is what Bahamian excellence is. Mm. It's the energy of the people.
3: Mm. And I can ask you another definition. In your opinion, what is breaking the box?
5: See, breaking the box now, I, I got a couple definitions for okay, this. All right, and all right. there was one person. who She said, didn't
3: want to be on the podcast at <laughs> first. I just want to make that known.
5: No, it's not that I didn't want to be on the podcast. It's just I'd rather stay behind the scenes. But um, since you put me on the spot,
1: Which you know. so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> thank
5: you. <laughs> since you put me on the spot. Now, listen, I had a conversation with someone. They said the easiest way to break the box is just to pretend like there never was a box in the first place. And I mm. listen that that's key. That's key. But um, the way to break the box is to just understand that, man, you could do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. You're, you're literally any, any structure or societal, anything that you think you are put in, you are not. Like, you are a free person. You could drop out of school and start a company. You could go to school and get your PhD. You could do whatever. And nobody could tell you anything. The world is literally yours. There are no rules, but There you are
3: no rules. That's facts. Think? Wow, okay, I got to ask you one last thing cuz we get some gems. I want to I want I want one last opinion and perspective. Personally, you've seen how Hamian has grown thus far. Where do you see just in the short term over these next few months? Where do you see Hamian going with this project, Project Break the Box? Where, where do you see it the the future for Hamian being?
5: Well, I think that specifically with with Break the Box, I mean, we took something that people say, oh, the box, you're born into the box. You know, we took that idea and we made that physical. So now this is something that people can look at and they can say, okay, this is the box. But this isn't a representation of what you can't do. It's a representation of what you actually can do. Mm. Now you see the box and you can Mm. see, okay, this is how we're going to break it. We're going to turn this box Mm. into a monument. And this Mm. is going to be a visual art piece. We're going to Collaborate instead of compete we're going to use artists and we're going to use art and culture to redefine what society is you know what I mean
3: I know exactly what you mean wow so, this yeah, is powerful but
5: listen man one thing I gotta say there's gonna be a Hamian flag it can be one little pirate ship flag and I'm telling you 2020 Oof. the Bahamas will be known for Hamian But
3: I can't say it. we gotta end it on that note but we gotta cut <laughs> this in right, the mission. thank you Ari for that one Oh, I mean, there are no rules.
4: I guess we're trying to encourage her to do. It. She don't want to
3: do it. Yeah, we know if. We this, the chair, so
4: it's like, man, you. Let's do it, yeah. So that's I mean. we're Is that a napkin? Yellow
3: If we that. missed it, then we would have
4: never got
3: her on. A... I feel Is greasy. No, or... You yeah,
4: straight. All right. Um. For sink issues.
3: Wait. wait. Jared!
4: I think you're gonna get.
3: Um, get some flex. Yeah, so. so. Alright, yeah, we, we good. you getting greasy, right? Because um, if so, we need some napkins or something. No, you're good. I
4: feel like oh, I. Ah, good. see, it's you. You're the one. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you're the one now. Huh? No, <laughs> I can just wipe my face. No, don't wipe it. You gonna smudge up your face. <laughs> it ain't nothing on my face. Listen, you pat. You, sw-
1: you don't wipe. You
4: gotta pat. Ain't nothing to wipe though. Pat, no, pat your face. You don't wipe. Your face. Hold on, you can hold this, cause this, this is something professional. <laughs> it well, it, it matters for you really be wipe? No, you can irritate your face later. That's why. Oh. Oh. Uh, okay, I learned. Okay. I didn't know. I was gonna just wipe.
3: Home stretch. When you wipe, Fourth you quarter. You uh, uh. Genius.
4: I can put this behind right. me. Okay. So are we
3: ready to record it? Um, Studio audience, y'all got some claps?
1: Hey, hey, That's the last one for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on! I love you, boy All right. So we
3: going in three,
1: two.
3: Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Break the Box. Yeah, we got some, we got claps because we had the home stretch and you know, we're going to close it out with a bang on a solid note. For everyone watching, just to remind y'all, my name is Boat and this is Behind the Box, the exclusive limited edition, one of a kind, never seen before series in collaboration with Original People Network and Hamian. To bring y'all the inside scoop, Behind the box. And this conversation in particular will give you all some insight on what we're doing right now behind the box to make the box as fresh as possible. So I have with me the one and only Monica. Introduce hey. yourself. Hello. <laughs> big eye, big hey high.
4: everyone. Um, I'm Monica Ann Cunningham, um, also known as Moni Ann. And yeah.
3: so Solid, solid. <laughs> and I think it's great to end this segment off with artists and with art because. That's the space that we're going into right now. We're, we're discussing art and we're talking about the power of it to do more than just sit it's up a on a wall and look pretty, but mm-hmm. actually make a change. And I think you're one of the perfect people to have on. You, you were able to be on our project as one of our directors for this uh, Break the Box project. But before we talk about that, I want to pull it back and just talk to you a little bit about your journey as an artist. Talk to us about how you got into art and uh, some of the work that you do right now.
4: Um, So basically, I started taking art um, seriously, I think, on realizing my potential um, in high school, uh, mainly from, like, the 10th grade straight up to senior year. And so I wanted to not only just paint and, like, make things that were, like, beautiful or pleasing to the eye, but address, like, topics and situations that might be uncomfortable or, like, swept under the rug. But also, like, realizing that being unique in yourself is what makes you, like, different like all of us are made differently use what you have use your talents express yourself and then I also realized that it helps with difficult situations mental health like bringing awareness to it and also getting through it so that's why I kind of came up with art heals, which is my like slogan um any work that I create any events any people who I try to touch is about healing and like bringing positivity so yeah
3: and that's big because I mean one thing that uh the one and only Lord Jalen taught me is uh this idea of uh, being Batman and sitting back and kind of observing the culture and taking note of things going on. And I mean, with all the work I've done with Heyman, I'd always keep note of uh, the artists that I would see. And your art would always stand out because it was more than just art. It was creating space. It was telling a story. It was upscaling and transforming products into something much more. Talk to me about some of the f- your, your favorite projects that you've worked on, maybe all the time, but also from 2020 specifically.
4: Um, I think the first thing that would come up to my brain what in terms of, like, most exciting would be during quarantine, to be honest. Um, I felt the most creatively, like, energized, which might seem off or contradicting, based on, like, what was going on, but all the ideas that I feel, like, my brain, I just felt free to, like, just express however I wanted to, and to stay sane, really. And so, I think the Quarantine Backyard show that I had was the most exciting, and still to this day the most exciting, like, project that I've went that I've gone through with um mainly because it combined all of the things that I am interested in which is like creative direction um event planning and then of course the art itself so just being able to do that and realizing okay I have a space um we might be in a difficult situation but you can still especially with social media nowadays you could still express yourself and touch others through that Mm -hmm. so the setup and breakdown of the whole thing and creating the work it was just amazing. Like, think about it and I just get excited because it was such, like, it was such am- an amazing thing for me, mm-hmm. um, just as an artist and just, come, like we say, breaking the box, but trying yeah. to think outside of it, you know?
3: Yeah, so. I think it was great to see people who used COVID as an opportunity to really... Like I said, break the box, get innovative and try new things. I mean, mm-hmm. for us, hamian Magazine almost benefited more from COVID than we might have without it because it took us opportunity to network, build connections, okay. build brand. Uh, and I think, like you said, with, with the projects you've done, you were able to grow a lot. How have you seen your support grow through a lot of the projects that you did During quarantine.
4: So it was um, amazing and, like, humbling at the same time because I feel like everyone was tuned in because of what was going on um, through social media. And I decided to start a YouTube channel during that time as well, which was something that I've been thinking about for years. But, like, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I want things to be in place. But I was like, well, everything happening, let me just do it. And so um, with the help of Haymin as well, like, exposure started happening where people would see my work and, like, oh, this is what you're doing, what this is about. And they kind of felt the emotion through the pieces as well. Um, And I think that's what kind of connected the, I guess, experience. Um, And then I realized by posting, because I was kind of hesitant at first, too, because it's so sensitive and everyone going through different things. But then realizing people like, oh, my gosh, I felt that. Like, I can't believe you're feeling the same way. So that, like, relating to other people really helped. And so um, we've, like, I've grown page-wise, Instagram and, like, other platforms, like, a lot. And... The work, I was, like, I was skeptical to see if I would still get orders coming in, like, for paintings and stuff, and I wasn't wasn't expecting much, but this time is the most, like, flowed orders that I've had in a long time, because I guess people are inspired or want to support their own or even just have that sort of expression in their houses or rooms Mm -hmm. to keep motivated and, like, keep going, so, yeah.
3: A big conversation I had with Ari back in 2019 Mm -hmm. um, was how do we innovate and evolve the art community and how do we create spaces and avenues for art to transform the lives of people physically? Um, Because I feel like in some ways it's become a bit traditional and hasn't allowed itself to continue moving and staying up to date. At the very core of it, how do you take a piece of art and really transform it to be something that evokes emotion or, or, or that makes a show social difference? Because I mean, even me as an artist, mm-hmm. I, I don't know anything about art. I, like I have no traditional art background whatsoever, mm-hmm. but I understand that you can make things and those things can then make other people feel things. Right. And those feelings can then result in tangible results, you know, like social architecture.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: How do you give a piece meaning and feeling?
4: I think the main thing is just being like authentic, um, at the end of the day, all of our experiences may be different, but it connects in some sort of way. So just when you're thinking about making a piece, don't think of it as, oh, okay, I want to make it pretty or I want it to be sold kind of thing. Like, just express yourself in that moment and then also think this is, this can go further. So, for example, when I create a painting, I don't think of it just as, okay, I thinking about this going in a gallery or, like, being sold to someone. I see it as, okay, this could be used as a symbol for something. This painting could be transformed into a poster, with messages that go around, you know, like you have to think kind of beyond what it is and then also don't limit yourself. So you can't just, I personally don't like just saying, okay, I'm a pain and that's it. Like it doesn't just stop at me making acrylic paintings. Like I could be used as an ambassador for something or art therapy through my paintings mm-hmm. or events mm-hmm. that help with healing. And like, you know, you just have to think outside, like I said, and art is not just one umbrella. I think that's another thing that we have to like, get out of mm. it's not just someone painting or making a drawing and it's beautiful it's more of different umbrellas of writing and performance and even what we're doing now with the box like this is community building and like networking mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah just thinking of like simple concepts and then thinking okay what does this touch like economic like which areas because I feel like art is like fluid in that aspect yeah, yeah. so that's the main thing at least just the change in your the way you think about what art is mm-hmm. mainly so yeah mm-hmm.
3: and i'm curious what what was your first impression when you came across Hamian? because i mean i've known you for a long time mm-hmm. but we this is really the first the time first, that we've really reconnected yeah. and started to you know speak and and, mm-hmm. and get to know each other what was your first impression when you saw the Hamian brand
4: i was honestly like super impressed one and i was like the more impressed with the diversity and Like thinking, literally thinking in a different manner. Because as an artist, I feel well for some people, and this is what happened to me as well, you kind of are backed into a corner sometimes and you're told that you only can do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not one of the bigger names or common known, then you ain't really doing nothing. And so I was inspired by that. Y'all were reaching out to the, I guess, known names, I guess, and also smaller upcoming people that you might not even know about, and the vast amount of, like, areas that y'all were covering mm, as well. Yeah. And, like, the way y'all were expressing it was in a different way. It wasn't just, okay, Bahamian, this this only for this specific... It's something that any anyone, wherever you're from, could be received and... You know, I felt like that was just a beautiful thing. And it was also a way to connect because I was learning about other artists. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, there's yeah, some people yeah. who I should connect to, network with. Yeah. So I was really impressed and excited in future. I didn't know it was going to be like this quickly. But yeah, to connect sure. and like work with y'all. For because sure. It's the same kind of, it's always good to like stay with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And that's I was like, okay, this they look at it making sense. And I want to think. I would usually think of like things around that realm, like trying to be different and like y'all stood out immediately. So
3: And you know it's crazy. So I was on this this uh podcast called Everything mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the
4: beginning
3: <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of at the begin like before quarantine started mm-hmm. and I was talking to them about Uh, my ambition of being able to do an art show in some type of way in the future. Mm -hmm. And I had this, that vision and dream and idea of it probably back in February. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I have no art experience. I didn't know how that would happen, but I understood if I just took the right mentality of Mm -hmm. position myself in the right place and having the right type of energy Mm -hmm. that I could connect with the right people. And it's crazy that again, when you came on the show, there wasn't an idea of this three weeks ago, there wasn't an idea of this being at the Like, Three days ago, only just like today, we were really finalizing how we wanted to go forward and Mm -hmm. build the project. But I'm excited that now we can announce that we're launching Project Break the Box, which is taking this physical structure of the Mm -hmm. box that we have and transforming it into this public art monument that can build culture and community. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the project, what it means and and some of the goals and ambitions that that we want to try and accomplish.
4: So, like, I'm super excited for the project, Um, mainly because I think this is what it's all about in terms of connecting with other artists or even people who appreciate art, because you don't have to only be an artist to be a part of something great. And so um, the project, like, Breaking the Box, I think will bring together, like, the art community, and you also get to see different styles of different artists and what they want to say and what they think Bahamian Excellence is, and that's mainly the basis of the whole thing. Like, we want to bring together some of the best of the best and inspire others by having this project, like, this blueprint, basically, of mm-hmm. using one thing that might seem simple or, like, oh, I've never really looked past or whatever, and then making it into something amazing. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's what this project is going to be, mm-hmm. essentially. And I'm super excited because I could already see, like, the how vision. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Like, how yeah, yeah. it could be. Talk, and the opportunities as well.
3: Talk so. to me about the the blueprint. Um, obviously, we want to bring together a lot of creatives, mm-hmm. but not just painters. We want to mm-hmm. have, you know, different people together. What, tell people a little bit of what they can expect when we have a finished project. What does the blueprint look like, at least for right now?
4: So, basically, the um, box itself is going to be covered in artwork and Bahamian excellence, essentially. Um, and you're going to see a collage or collaboration of Bahamian artists' work of both painting, but not only just painting, but writers, public speaking <laughs> excerpts of <laughs> excerpts of work from poets, and um, because, like I said, the umbrella isn't that just one umbrella. There are several um, ways to express art. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have um, basically you'll see the work of some of the best in almost like a Rubik's cube sort of mm. look, but lack of a better term, I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, showing and showcasing the: Okay,
3: sorry, one second. Let me grab this.
4: you want to mm-hmm. move this?: I apologize.: No you can. You it's move good. that. I think that's probably the reason.
3: Apologies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that that uh, comparison to a Rubik's cube because mm-hmm. that is actually probably what it's going to look a little bit like. Mm-hmm. My goal with the project is I really want to see how by just having people in the same space, by having people pass by, mm-hmm. you can spark creativity in people who look at it. You know, being able to have words as well mm-hmm. as photos. It's not something that you can measure by metrics, and that's, that's one cool. thing I, I I like about it is that. You know, in the business world, in the politics world, everything is about numbers. It's like, how many sales do you have? How many people did you reach? But art is a bit different because the metric can't be measured. You can't measure people's mentality. You can't measure, a lot of times, creativity and culture. Mm -hmm. But that's the whole thing, that if we aim for that high of a level, you will have good numbers. You Mm -hmm. won't be able to say at the end of the day how many people had their lives changed, Mm -hmm. but you can say, you know this many people saw the box and, and this many people passed by and consumed it. This many artists were involved. Mm-hmm. And if you, maybe a year down the line, two years down the line, hear from these people, a lot of times they'll be like, that was a moment that really switched things and moved things. Right. Even though we want to bring people together, we also want to have some type of a showcase. Right. And, I mean, we don't have all the specific details for that yet. Right. But how would you like a final sort of signature showcase to look like?
4: So um, obviously we want to highlight the box um, at this showcase, almost like um, an unveiling, I guess. But we also want to get the community together and have um, networking as well and showcase maybe some of the artists who we couldn't specifically have on the box. So like singers or rappers or people who who are creatives as well, but showcase it in different ways. So we want to have a night or evening or day or even all three Um, where we just showcase that and we have a cool, chill environment where we could just have a good time um, and use the box as a backdrop and, again, blueprint to say this is something that you could use in the future to inspire and to just basically promote what you're doing. So I see it as just, like, good vibes all around, um, music, and we already have the perfect environment because we have Mm -hmm. food and drinks. We already have good energy. (laughs) So it's just a matter of putting it together and, yeah, that, I think that's going to be exciting.
3: Yeah, I think we really are blessed to be able to have this space of the Ten yeah, tinfoil pop-up park to mm-hmm. uh, not only just say we could do this now, but who knows where the future may yeah. lie. And even though there's this showcase that we're, you know, setting up for around independence time, mm-hmm. leading up to that, we want to get as much content as possible. So if anyone who's watching this is a, right. is a content creator, a videographer, photographer, uh, <laughs> literally any, anything,
4: you know, Literally. you were you
3: were invited to come and just express yourself creatively
4: mm-hmm.
3: with this box, and then going forward past that, mm-hmm. who knows? This may be the base of operations for Hamian work, Hamian events right. on a regular daily basis. Mm-hmm. And again, who knows? This this may not be the only box. Right? Maybe there's another Several. box. Maybe Lights we break box this box exactly. You know, something
4: bigger, more permanent. You never know. Yeah.
3: For yeah, sure. and and I think ultimately it comes down to the fact of the mentality. You know. Mm-hmm. If you can change the mentality, if you can put people in that right mindset, right. then
4: you anything can anything is possible. Anything is possible. Sure. Anything
3: sure. is possible. W- what would you say to people who maybe doubt, you know, mm-hmm. their ability to break the box? You talked about how how art can heal. There is mm-hmm. probably some people who may see this box and may get inspired. Mm-hmm. But how do we take it one step further and and allow for that piece to to really change, not only a mindset but. Mm-hmm a paradigm on life, what is the message that needs to be intertwined into everything so that people can go forward and and break their own personal box in their life?
4: I think, like, one thing to keep in mind um, is that it's your your own journey. Like, you might see the progress of other people or, like, some other creatives who might be... I don't know, you might feel discouraged because you're like, I'm not moving as quickly or... I don't get recognized as much, but it's more about like realizing that you have your own voice. And once you stick to your own, I feel like once you stick to yourself and being authentic, there's no one else who can do what you do, basically. That people could try Mm -hmm. to mimic it, people could try to, but it's literally your thing. So once you stick to that, I feel like you'd always be successful because something I do or something you do, you can't say, oh, I could try to mimic what you're doing, but Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be the same. And so when you get to the place where you feel discouraged or, that you're like, "Mm, I don't really know if I could do this, take a breather, but then also keep, like, working at it. So, like, write down even the tough things that are happening or, like, whatever's discouraging you and your challenge to yourself should be trying to overcome that and, like, surround yourself with people with that good energy as well, even when you don't feel as if you're in that space because that encourages you to keep going and, like, making sure that you try to heal people with your work and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: There's this uh, this phrase that I'm using mm-hmm. to try and design the next uh, line of clothing that we put together for Hamian mm-hmm. of what I would the collection to be about. And it, it would be titled, you can never be me. Mm. And, and the reasoning I use that verbiage is because for some people, you may look at that and say, oh, it's cocky, it's selfish. But then when That's you true. actually embody that phrase, it's like, you know, I can only be me and right. you can never be me. That's true. So I have to be the best me I could be. And you, you can't be me. Exactly. You gotta go and do your own thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but just in closing, I, I'm encouraged to see the mm-hmm. collaboration that's happened so far. And I'm excited for this project. Mm-hmm. And literally every day comes to life more and more. Exactly. And anyone, again, who's watching and you're interested in supporting, please reach out to us. If you wanna collab with us, hey me in official, hey me in a magazine, mm-hmm. reach out to us on Instagram and connect. Because I think it's so important that we begin, as artists, shifting the mentality. And community mm-hmm. towards just that mm-hmm. community and focusing on working and coming together to really create social impact rather than just staying in our own lanes. Yes, mm-hmm. we can be the best that we can be, but we can be even better if we all push at yeah. the exact same Stronger time. Stronger together. Yeah. Stronger together. Forward, <laughs> upward, onward, together. together. <laughs> hey. This is Behind the vox. Thank you all so much for watching. We will have an amazing episode next week I don't know what it'll be but it will be amazing right and you can count on that thank you so much for the people original people network for helping us thank you so much for Hamian hey Official thank you so much for the Bahamas and thank you so much for the opportunity ultimately from God to have life and to experience this amazing thing even though 2020 has been bumpy it's only up from here I think I agree behind the box
1: thank you woo <laughs>